Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, welcome to Jesus 911 two man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, two retired Los Angeles deputy sheriffs. We are now high-energy, blue-collar, lovers of Jesus, uh, slaves of Mary, faithful sons of Holy Mother Church. This is the holy hour of power. We bring you common-sense Catholicism here. And just want to remind you that the month of August is devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So this month, what I'm doing is I'm praying the Dolor Rosary, the, 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 the Seven Sorrows of Mary Rosary, uh, for the entire month. That's what I'm doing uh, in addition to my other devotions, but just in honor of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is dedicated in the month of May. And let's not forget that the Immaculate Heart of Mary is often venerated with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You can't separate the new Adam and the new Eve, uh, and with good reason, because Jesus Christ, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, represents Christ's love for mankind, but the Immaculate Heart of Mary represents the desire of the Blessed Virgin Mary to bring all people to her son. And there's no mm. better example of the Christian life than offered by Mary. So Catholics in the month of, uh, 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 yeah, the month of September, excuse me, uh, remember to, to go deeper uh, with your devotion to the back Lord of Mary. And, and we can join the mother of God in drawing closer to Christ. Paul, God, God I want to talk about the beauty today of the mass and, and the silent aspect of the mass and we know where that's found, that, that mm-hmm. sacred silence is found in the Latin Mass. Dr. Peter Kuznowski, who's uh, probably the greatest apologist for all things uh, tradition today in the Catholic Church. He's my go-to mm. guy. He wrote a great article called The New Conciliarism, Vatican II Overdrive, The Runaway Enthusiasm for All Things New is Getting Pretty Old. Meanwhile, the kids are old right. In other words, he's showing that. Paul, young people, when they get exposed, not even young people, myself, yourself, we're not young. When we see the Latin mass, we're like, what? We're drawn to it. You don't have to be old. You you don't have to be young, excuse me. And that's what he's talking about here today is that a lot of the people at Vatican II, that, that baby boom generation, that some of them were the World War II generation, what they did, Paul, they have this idea about getting rid of things that are old and that all the the things that are new and novel, that's the way to go. And I think they're wrong. What say you? Yes, you're absolutely 100% correct. That's worldly wisdom. That's worldly ideology that thinks that way, Jess. When we go to mass, it's such a sacred event, Jess, because we encounter Christ. That's what happens at mass. And so, as you know, Man was created on the sixth day for what? To what end? For worship. worship. For the set for, for the seventh day. For worship. Yes. And this is what this is this is the end of man. This is why we were, we were created. So when we go to mass, it's important that that we have a um a good understanding um uh, of God in the sense that when Moses saw God, what did what did God tell Moses? Just take off your shoes. For the, you know, the, the place you are standing is holy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of that scene with Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, you know. Um, God is is 
is our God, sacred scripture says, is a consuming fire. Fire. Yeah. And you don't want to play with fire, Jess. You don't want to casually approach fire. And so the Latin mass just gives us the, the, you know, the, the proper uh, structure where we can uh, uh, present ourselves to God uh, and encounter him. It's such a beautiful thing, Jess. When I discovered it, um, I, I can never, ever go back. Yeah, I hear you. Let's let's share a couple of points from Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. He says, as a historical phenomenon, conciliarism refers to the view that a general council of the church is superior to the Pope in matters of faith and morals, that a Pope can be trumped, so to speak, by all the bishops assembled. This error was dealt a series of blows throughout the second millennium of Christianity, culminating in the coup de grace of the dogmatic constitution Pastor Eternus of Vatican I. Uh, another thing that jumps out the third paragraph, he says, the Second Vatican Council has not been treated as a part of the entire living tradition of the church, but as an end of tradition, a new start from mm. zero. I love that sentence. That really mm -hmm. says it all. The truth is that this particular council, by the way, which I've studied in detail myself, mm -hmm. defined no dogma at all. Mm. and deliberately chose to remain on a modest level as a merely pastoral council, and yet many treat it as though it had made itself into a sort of super dogma, which takes away the importance of all the rest. The, th mm -hmm. the next paragraph is important. He says, for historians of the influential Bologna school, Bologna school, the council Bologna. gave, <laughs> oh, yeah, Bologna, you're right. The council gave birth, yeah, you're right, Bologna. The council gave birth to a new church, <clears throat> ushered in a new age, Clearly, the way the mountains of debris and decadence proclaimed at last an ecumenical gospel that sought out the world and passionately embraced it. Let me make some comments here, and then I want you to make some comments. Mm -hmm. uh, the new catechism, when you read it, what does the new catechism quote more than anything else? It quotes the Council of Trent and Vatican I more than anything else, by far. Mm -hmm. And it also quotes St. Thomas Aquinas more than any other. So the new catechism quotes the sacred tradition of it's top heavy with vatican one footnotes uh council of trent footnotes and and saint thomas aquinas footnotes i mean that's that, that's about as traditional as you can get and and but what the modernists have done paul they just mm -hmm. bank on the fact that most catholics don't read the catechism so they'll say well this is what vatican two taught we've got to remove the altar rails we need you know liturgical mm. dancers we need women all so you you scratch your head you say well he's a priest he's a bishop they must know they probably read the catechism i haven't read it they've read all the documents of vatican two i haven't read mm -hmm. it and guess what all these innovations are not there that's yes. why that's why uh peter kosnuski calls it the, the council uh the the baloney school because mm -hmm. all the modernist things that you've seen right now are not there. Even, yes, even yes. Latin is supposed to be given pride of place. It's right in the documents yes. of Vatican II in yes. Sacrosanctum Concilium. That yes. is, it says uh, Gregorian chant and, and, and Latin should be given pride of place in, the, in, in, in Sacrosanctum in the, in the Mass at Vatican II. None mm -hmm. of that has happened. The left has hide. You know what they did, Paul? The left is like a bunch of prostitutes. They've been hiding for decades but mm -hmm. vatican II was the coming out party on the birthday cake at a bachelor's mm. party that's what it was <laughs> yeah it made me laugh jess <laughs> you made yeah. me laugh but hold on man 
<laughs> you said a lot there, but and it's and, and I agree with you, my brother. <laughs> Definitely agree with you. Listen, uh, the baloney school. Number one, what I like about um, um, Peter in this article is, is that he draws a distinction between um, Vatican II and the actual Novus Ordo Mass. He says they're yes. two separate things. Yes. And that's important to realize because, uh, and he also mentions in there in the article that the, the cardinals that were present, um, all the bishops present at Vatican um, two, they didn't dream of, of uh, or even imagine the innovations that would take place, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the future. And that's not what they voted for. And nor does Vatican right. II call right. for those things. Right. And so, and I and I remember you saying several times, Jess, that Paul, if they just stayed faithful to what it said in Vatic Vatican II, you know, yes. uh, the, the church would look a lot different today. But but typically, kind of like I say, it reminds me of when uh, Barack Obama was president and we have all these laws. And, you know, you and I were both law and order kind of people. Why? Yeah. Because we were yeah. ex-cops. Yeah. But the thing is, is we had all these laws governing the border. And what did Barack Obama say? Oh, executive privilege. You know, I, I, I know the laws are there and I know that that's the will of the people and that's the will of Congress. But I choose not to enforce those laws. And so what do you have when he chose not to enforce those laws? What do you still have going on at the border? You have chaos, right? You have chaos. And by the way, um, when when the when the uh, the bishops today um, don't follow the uh, the perennial teachings of the faith, well, guess what we have in the church today? Disorder. Chaos. Disorder. You know, we have these ideas being floated and introduced that, well, you know, uh, homosexuality, that was that was, um, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, falsely, uh, you know, uh, uh, labeled as wrong and bad in the church. And but now we have to correct course and get along with the modern times. You know, that has nothing to do with the tradition, capital T of the church that was passed down and safeguarded through the millennia, Jess. That has everything to do with the zeitgeist. Yes. The spirit Which is world. diabolic, by the way. Uh, the zeitgeist. Well, Satan, it, yeah. Yes, yeah, Satan's the prince of this world, right? I mean, he's Amen. the he's the one who um I mean, look at the condition of the world and you tell me. <laughs> you got it's, it, brother. Every, yeah. Yeah. You're listening, yeah, you're listening to Jesus 911 Two Man Car. We're talking about this great article by Dr. Peter Kosniski. We're not going to get through all of it, obviously. It's called The New yeah. Conciliars of Vatican II Overdrive. You can <clears throat> grab the article, go to the website, vmpr.org, vmpr.org, or go to my website, jessiromero.com, and you can click on the link and read the article for yourself. It's outstanding. He also says here, it would be no exaggeration to say that a new great a new great schism. Uh, uh, we probably got a few seconds left. Uh, we'll continue talking about this article. Yeah, uh, Paul, you made a great point that just like Barack Obama and, and a lot of people on the left, they don't enforce the laws that are mm -hmm. on the books. This is what the, right. the this is what the post Vatican II bishops and, and, and council fathers they haven't enforced the teachings that come from Vatican II, which maintain the perennial teachings of the Church. They just choose not to enforce them. That's what they're doing. Yep. Now. Back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're talking about uh, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski's article, The New Conciliarism, Vatican II Overdrive. Here's another statement that he makes that jumps out at me. He says, mm-hmm. It would be no exaggeration to say that, th- that a new great schism has appeared in the 20th century, a schism between a self-styled modern church and the church of tradition. This virtual schism, like the doctrinal somersaults and rampant liturgical abuses that are the landmarks of its proponents, rivals every crisis the church has faced before. It is worse because more subtle, pervasive, and official, wrapping itself in the mantle of hierarchical endorsement. Mm. Yes. There it is. That last sentence. Watch the last It is worse because of the more subtle, pervasive, and official wrapping itself in the mantle of hierarchical endorsement. In other words, what Dr. Kwasniewski is saying here is that is that doctrinal error or heresy is 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 is, is being legitimized because it has hierarchical endorsement at the highest yes. places in the church. Yes. And that's yes. scary. And he says here in the next paragraph, the more intelligent among them must know, surely, must surely know the sun is beginning to go down on their long reigning agenda. This, this is he's talking about the left, the modernists. This is mm-hmm. why they're now on, on they're now savage in their crackdowns and reprisals. They must act while they can. Time is running down. He says, the walking down memory lane. He says, mm-hmm. the Bergoglio, this is Pope Francis, Roche, mm-hmm. Weltenshog has been with us for a long while. Uh, It has a taste of stale bread, nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes observes. And he says, let's consider a tall and unrepentant rupturist of the past, the once upon a time papal MC for John Paul II, Archbishop Piero Marini, who is another bad player in in all of this. So Dr. Kwasniewski is naming all the, the, the allegiance of all these bad players. And here's uh, yeah. one of the things that I can't wrap my mind around. I mean, it's 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 uh, it shows goes to show you the way the devil never sleeps. We're talking about men here, Paul, that mm-hmm. that were raised on the Baltimore Catechism. Mm-hmm. They, they were raised on. They saw liturgical orthodoxy. They they were raised in the in the Latin Mass. Mm-hmm. They were raised were again most of them knew their prayers in Latin. That's all they that, that basically mm-hmm. that's all they prayed. These prelates. Mm-hmm. And yet, these this is a classic example about of what our mm. Lord says. Uh, you know, if if I didn't come sooner, uh, you know, even the elect might not be saved. You have people in high places that are supposed to be well formed in Catholic teaching that have lost their supernatural faith, Paul. That's all I can say. Well, well, well. Think about it, Jess. You say, oh, they've been raised with orthodoxy. And yet we we know for fact by people like Bella Dodd, who, you know, who converted over to the church uh, uh, under the great uh, Archbishop, Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Um, she confessed her sins and what she was doing and the infiltration that has, you know, that, you know, uh, the, the planned scheme of, of, of the enemies of the church, particularly Freemasonry, to infiltrate the church, to destroy the church. Why? Because Satan hates Christ. He came mm-hmm. to, to he came to destroy. 
and Christ came uh, uh, to uh, to defend and, and and to build up. Listen, um, these uh, you know the hallmarks you mentioned of you know of the of this movement. You know these liturgical abuses and things like that. They're getting they're about to get much more intense when we see uh, the Amazonian. Uh, uh, liturgy being proposed, right? Mm. You know the the incorporation of things like Pachamama, this this pagan idol alongside of God, as if somehow God has been lowered down to these um, ideas of men. Jess, we're in we're in some um, really horrific times, but I love it because I also know God is the same today, yesterday. I mean, uh, and forever, right? He doesn't change. Yes. Um, and so no matter how much man wants to change God, no matter how much man in his arrogance wants to approach the throne of God and in a casual manner, uh, no matter how much man wants to impose or superimpose his morality over God's morality, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Oh, the yeah. Lord knows I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy hill, you know, and 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 in that same psalm it says, "Kiss the sun, lest you, he become angry and you perish in his way, for his wrath may soon be kindled." How blessed are all who take refuge in him! That's what's coming, and that's why I'm excited because I know God is God, and uh, like Isaiah when he saw that vision in heaven, he. He says, and I saw the Lord uh, seated on his throne, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the whole temple with glory. Um, this, you know, again, uh, in the ancient days, the, the, the longer a king's robe was, uh, the greater the king was. Well, God's, God's robe filled the whole temple up. And Isaiah said, <laughs> and when he looked at him, he said, woe is me for I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst unclean people. And Jesse couldn't even speak until an angel came over and touched his tongue with a hot tongue. He was not able to speak. By the way, this which is, is God. By the way, which is what you just said at the end, which is yes. a precursor of how one should receive Holy Communion. Yes. Un, and that's yeah. exactly why I receive it on the knees. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, Isaiah's mouth was purified by that yeah. hot coal, which is a pre a type of a type of holy Eucharist. That's what metaphysically happens. The holy Eucharist not only sanctifies your tongue, it sanctifies your entire body and soul. But but Paul, you're right. Uh, Romans five twenty tells us where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So you're yes. right. There is a lot of sin. There is a lot of evil. But as a result of that, God is literally. I mean, there's like a nuclear power plant of grace being being a uh, 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 coming down from heaven like Niagara Falls onto yes. the onto the onto planet Earth, and so. Nobody will be without excuse, Paul. Those people that are not saved, they're not going to be without excuse because God has poured his grace abundantly. And again, it's like the Holy Spirit is like a nuclear power plant in this day and age. And uh, and we just have to uh, make ourselves available to that grace. And we have to become, yes. we have to become, uh, as a result of that, we have to become SOS. Uh, right. You know. 
uh, salvation of souls. Every Catholic has mm-hmm. to be on that SOS yes. mission. What's the yes. what's SOS? Salvation of souls. Right, right. Why? Because we are burdened for the, the ministry of Christ. He said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so how can we claim to be his followers when we're not burdened for his ministry, Jess? You mentioned before these prelates were raised and cut their teeth on things like the Baltimore Catechism. But yes, one key ingredient was missing. If Paul said, if I if I speak in the tongues of angels and of men and have not love, you see, God is love. And if you love God, Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. These prelates need to cooperate with the grace of God, but instead they choose to resist the grace of God. They choose to stand uh, arrogantly against God's grace. And they do, and as a result, God gives them a spirit of stupor, eyes that see not, ears that hear not. Amen. Uh, you're listening to... <laughs> To Jesus 911, you got two fired up Catholics right here. Fired up, uh, my brother. Yeah. Paul, have you seen in the article uh that there's a there's a bishop there? There's a picture of a bishop. It's called uh Arch Archmandrite, which is an archbishop in the in the Eastern Catholic Church, Arch Archimandrite Boniface Luki of Mount Tabor Monastery. Okay, you see him there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Terry Barber met him. Okay. Let me tell, yeah, let me tell a little bit about him. Uh, the, the, the Archbishop Boniface Lukey was one of the experts at Vatican II. He represented the Eastern Catholic Church. He was, they called the experts Peritus mm-hmm. in Latin. He was, he was a theological expert. He sat there. Terry went to go visit him before he died, and Terry had recorded him for three hours on Vatican II. He was there. He was an expert on Sacrosanctum Concilium, on the Mass. He told Terry, and it's, it's recorded, uh, he says that uh, Archbishop Annabal, Cardinal Annabal Bonini was a Freemason. And it's in the article, by the way. Oh, yeah. Annabal, yeah. So so this was confirmed to Terry Barber by Archbishop Boniface Lukey, that the, 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 the Archbishop that was the head of the entire commission for the Mass was a Freemason, card-carrying Freemason. Also... Archbishop Boniface Lukey told Terry before he died, and Terry recorded this. Terry Barber recorded this. Anybody that wants to get the recordings, just send Terry Barber an email, and he'll send you, he'll send you the MP3 recordings of, of his the conversation, three-hour conversation with uh, uh, Archbishop Boniface Lukey. He also said that, that what has happened post-Vatican II, he says, not one single, not one of us agreed on this. This is not mm. what we signed up for. This mm. is not what the council was about. And this was a bishop that was there. In fact, the article, the, the, yeah, go ahead, Paul. No. Yeah. I, listen, I'm looking at his picture yeah. and you take one look at his picture, Jess, and you know, this guy's a serious guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This guy, as a matter of fact, he looks like Richard O'Bannon, our, our, our <laughs> That's engineer. Right. He you does. Know, he, he gave me that. Let me tell you, so, so, so folks, if you're not, if you don't, he looks more like Moses or something coming down from the Mount, you know, but, but I can just tell you that, um, Jess, when you have a guy like this, an old school, uh, Bishop who tells you, this is not what we signed on for. So he said, we, Terry. yeah, uh, yeah, we should listen because we already know when the son of man returns, will he find 
faith. We already know there's going to be a falling away of the faith. Yeah, we've been warned by by countless people, you know, uh, throughout the church, including our blessed mother herself from heaven. The queen of heaven has warned us that these things would take place. And and we arrogantly as men, Jess, we think that somehow we can live life the way we're living it right now, that we can have the chaos, uh, that we can destroy marriage, that we can destroy families, and that there'll be no retribution from God. People, go back and peruse your Bible and see. God is not slow, but patient. God is patient. He wants us to come in and be saved because he's on the throne of grace right now, Jess. He wants us to come and receive the very life of Christ Amen. Uh, Amen. So that we can be saved. Go ahead, Jess. Talk. You to got us. it. You're listening to Jesus 911. We're talking about... Uh, what happened in Vatican II, mm. and uh, one of these, one of these big pl- ah, uh, stick around. Jesus, not woman. We'll be right back. We'll continue on this topic. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We're back. Jesus died one one two-man car. <clears throat> Dr. Peter Krasnowski, great article. Mm, it's, worth, mm. it's worth reading. Uh, grab yourself a hot, cup of coffee or hot tea and just sit down on the couch and just read. It's called The New Conciliarism, Vatican II Overdrive. It's too long. We're not going to be able to get yeah. to all of it today. We're yeah. just gonna, we're, but it's we're rich. Just, yeah, it's rich. It's just, but it's worth making some comments on all of this. Mm-hmm. He talks about some bad players. Uh, Annabelle Bonini being one, mm-hmm. uh, he was a he was a Mason, and he's the one that was in charge of the mass. He writes here, Doctor Kwasniewski writes, anyone who has dared to dip into Annabelle Bonini's ponderous memoirs will find Piero Marini's book not terribly original. It comes across mm. rather as the last gasp of a dying cause, a kind of rage against the dying of the light from an energetic retiree. I'm going to jump down a couple mm-hmm. of paragraphs. He says, the bishops themselves, Marini said, so he's quoting this modernist Marini. The bishops, Mar- Bishop Marini said, were the first guarantors of reform. So this modernist bishop, post-Vatican II admits, he says, that we bishops, we modernist bishops, are the first guarantors of reform. In other words, what Luther started, this is why I'm saying this, what Luther started, these guys want to finish off. And then the article says this, mm. how easily the victors rewrite history. Remember mm. uh, remember that old saying that, uh, that it's, it's the victors that write history. Well, it's the mm-hmm. modernists that won at Vatican II, they got their way. So they're the ones that are rewriting what Vatican II says not what it actually says, what they what they want you to believe it says. And it says in the article, many who were present at and involved in the council have testified that the bishops had no idea they were about to witness the wholesale dismantling and reconstruction of the Roman rite. Boy, that's that's a mouthful right there. Mm-hmm. Arch, Arch Mandrite Boniface Lukey, that's the, Terry met him and recorded him, noted that not a single bishop at the council 
believed that Latin would be abolished in practice from the celebration of the mass, or that mm. the priests would face the people, or that the prayers would be notably altered. In a moment of honesty, could Bishop Marini admit that Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is the document, one of the 16 documents that came from Vatican II, did not ask for most of the changes that were implemented. Mm -hmm. So as somebody who's studied Vatican II uh, for, for my master's degree, and I have, to, I have to study it line by line, precept by precept, I can tell you what Vatican II did not call for. And I can tell you what it did call for regarding the mass, which is for us the source and summit of our faith. It did not call for altar girls. It did not call for the removal of altar rails. It did not call for moving the tabernacle to the side. It did not call for the priests to face the people. The Vatican II documents, it's assumed the way the documents are written, that it, the mass is ad orientum. Uh, it did, and, and it, it did not call for the abolish of Latin. In fact, it says that Latin is supposed to be given pride of place. That's the predominant language in the liturgy, according to Vatican II. Now, what, it did give some reforms to read the gospel, you know, to do the readings in the language of the people, obviously the homily in the language of the people, even in the Latin Mass. Uh, uh, some prayers also could be done in the language of the people. But the documents of Vatican II call for the Mass to be top-heavy with the, the doxologies, the antiphons, the creeds, top-heavy with Latin. The prayers should be Gregorian chant. So if, if you want to see what a Vatican II Mass would look like if it was actually followed. Look at the Anglican Ordinariate Rite of the Catholic Church. That's 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 the mass, by the way, that's offered over at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Terry has Anglican Anglican Ordinariate priests. Mm -hmm. That's what the 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 Vatican II Mass. If it was followed, the Anglican Ordinariate basically follows the Vatican II Mass. I would just the I would probably say that the Vatican II Mass would have more Latin than what you find in the Anglican Ordinariate. The Anglican Ordinariate has Latin, but it would the Vatican mm -hmm. II Mass calls for much more Latin. But if you want to see what the Vatican II Mass would look like, look at the Anglican Ordinariate Mass, except there's a lot more Latin, the Gregorian chants, the antiphons, and doxologies. And guess what? This wasn't followed, and this was done by design by very bad people, Paul. Yeah, yes. Jess, and uh, you only need to go into a church and you say, oh, where's the tabernacle? I don't see the tabernacle. You know what I mean? Because in some churches, it's hidden away. You won't find it. It'll be in a small chapel downstairs. You know what I mean? Uh, what does yeah. it say? It says that the tabernacle where Jesus Christ is present in all the tabernacles of the world should be in a place of, of in the place of prominence in the in the church uh, so little things like that what are they suggesting what messages are being sent listen christ is either lord of all or not lord at all and this is what modernists don't understand you're either going to give jesus christ every ounce thou shalt love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength you know jess or you're not or you're not and so Whenever you present God in some uh, uh, way in which he does not, has not revealed himself. Oh, me and the man upstairs. Oh, see, we, we have an understanding. God understands me. And, you know, 
No, that's not God. That's a construct of your mind. You are you are guilty of idolatry. You have, yeah. you've, you've built an idol in your mind. It's not yeah. God at all. And so this is what people need to realize. And this is why the Latin mass is so important, because the structure places the, the person in a position, in the, in the right position before God, where he can encounter Christ, uh, 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 you know, uh, and, and, you know, and, and honor him as God. And I'll tell you something, Paul, one of the, the geniuses of the Latin mass, the, the council mm. of the, the fathers of the church who put the Latin mass together in the fourth and fifth century is mm. that it's built upon a lot of silence. Yes. And I'll tell you why that's important is because we live in a noisy world. Mm. noise 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 you know people always have something plugged into their ear uh you know you got a thousand channels on, on the television uh you got all kinds of gadgets going on nonstop, and and it's 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 interesting how is it that we encounter god you encounter god in silence that that's the bible tells us in first kings i think it's chapter 19 that this is how Elijah encountered God. It was not in nature, in the wind, in the rain, in the storm. He encountered God in the silence. And that's what the Latin Mass is. It's built upon sacred silence. You know, there's you have one psalm after another, Zephaniah, Zechariah. Mm -hmm. Be still and know that God is. Be quiet and know that I am God. It, it's, it's because even the Catholic Church teaches that the highest form of prayer, <clears throat> the highest form of prayer is contemplative prayer. It's sacred silence. It's just it's just it's just thinking about and contemplating and pondering on holy things, on the holy things of God. And it's now somebody could say, well, you know, you could also encounter God in a rock concert. I guess you can. I mean, I guess you could do an Our Father in the parking lot and encounter God in, 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 in a rock concert. But would it be easier to encounter God in the desert? Say you're in the desert, in the Arizona desert, sitting on a rock by yourself mm. and looking at the sunset. Would it be easier to encounter God in an Arizona desert, uh, seeing the sunset, the beautiful sunset in the evening, sitting on a rock? Or at a at a heavy metal concert, you know the answer. Yeah, yeah you can, everybody knows you can, the answer. To you, that can one. <laughs> you can encounter God in both places, but it's easier to encounter God in silence. This is why the 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 the, the, the scripture, you know, Psalm twenty eight verse two, Psalm forty six eleven, Psalm thirty seven seven, Psalm sixty two two. Uh, be still and know that God is Habakkuk two twenty. the mind. Be quiet and know that I am God. Yes. Zephaniah 2.17, Zephaniah 1.7, 1 Kings 19. The scripture talks about the sacred silence of, uh, and this is the way you encounter God. Even the tradition tells us this. St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila. They tell us the best way to hear the voice of God yes. is in silence. All the great saints, St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Calcutta. This is how you encounter God. And that's the genius of the Latin mass. It's it's like that old saying, actions speak louder yes, than words. Yeah. Yes. The actions at a silent, low Latin mass speak loudly to the human soul. Amen, brother. Amen. Hey, Jess, 
So there, there's another part I wanted to bring out. I'm going to go ahead and read from the article. Okay. Marini's talk in London was full of that uh, peculiar uh, messianism characteristic of Vatican II nostalgics. Here is how it ended. The Holy Spirit that inspired the liturgical movement and the Council Fathers still encircles us like a sacred cloud and guides us like a column of fire, offering beauty ever new as well as joy and hope. That's what they call rhetoric, folks, but not in the most flattering sense of the word. If it was indeed the Holy Spirit that inspired the original liturgical movement, the way we receive its good fruit will exemplify continuity with the great tradition, capital T, of Catholic theology and worship. It, was, it will not cleave to a path of rupture, a decisive change of course that, that requires systematically deconstructing what came before and terrorizing those who adhere to it. <laughs> that would not have its origin, not in the Holy Spirit, but in the zeitgeist or a yet more infernal spirit. Mm. <laughs> you see what he's saying there, Jess? He's saying, listen, listen, the Holy Spirit, there is going to be continuity with the with the tradition of the church. When he moves, he doesn't contradict himself. Why? Because God cannot change. He's immutable, Jess. And therefore, when something novel comes, as in the, you know, um, the Novus Ordo, then... Um, which which means it, it means the new order. That's what it means. Literally, that's what it literally means. The new yes. order. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We don't need new. There's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes says, right. Uh, so again, it's more in line with the zeitgeist. Yeah. Of the. Hey, uh, we'll, this, yeah. we're going to a hard break. We'll be right back. Jesus will want to stick around. We'll continue on this topic. Good stuff. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. We're back, Jesus 911. We're talking about uh, this well written article by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Uh, Paul, there's a comment that you wanted to read if you want to yeah. pick it up where you left off. Yeah. So let us remind ourselves again and again that for all its weaknesses, Sacrosanctum Concilium. That's one of the documents of Vatican II. Yeah. Yes. Expressly says that there must be no innovations unless the good of the church genuinely, genuinely and certainly requires them. And care must be taken that any new forms adopted should in some way grow organically from forms already existing. Now, he says, to those who are familiar with the wonderfully resilient, impressive, consoling, symbolically rich sacramental rites of the Roman tradition, it would seem obvious that few, if any, changes could have been defensible according to this strict criterion of genuine and certain good. It would be like looking into a chest filled with treasures fashioned of precious metals and jewels and saying, let us get rid of anything in here that's worthless. Good luck finding it. And that's exactly true. Listen, the Latin mass is a treasure trove for the church. And many great saints, just as you know, cut their teeth on the Latin mass. 
In most, fact, most, most of them, most of them, most of them. That's exactly right. And yeah. so to sit there and say this is no longer valid or it's obsolete is like saying, well, God is obsolete, can never happen. God can never be obsolete because in him we both move and breathe and have our being. You know, it, it's interesting. If, if somebody ever, if you ever want to read how the Jews worshipped, and it's not it, it's not in any verse in the Bible or Protestant Bible, should I say, except the Catholic Bible. There's mm-hmm. a book, and I would challenge for any Catholic to read. If you say, how did the Jews worship? Sirach chapter 51, uh, which is the Catholic and the Orthodox Old Testament, the Protestants chucked it at the Reformation, it describes Jewish worship. And when you mm-hmm. read Sirach 51, you'll see, you'll say, golly, this looks like the Catholic Mass. Again, mm-hmm. I just I just share with you, it, it's just too long for me to read, but if anybody wants to see how the Jews worship God, uh, go to Sirach 50, not Sirach 50, excuse me. I just looked, opened it up right now. Sirach 50. It shows a, a basically like a high mass, a, the high liturgy, what they would call the Day of Atonement. It's described mm. in Sirach chapter 50. Read it and then tell me what this resembles. It looks just like the Latin mass. So the Latin, yeah, the Latin Mass is a template from Jewish worship. In fact, even most people don't even realize that Gregorian chant, people say, okay, that's beautiful. That that acapella Latin music without any instruments, that, that's so beautiful. Where did it come from? It's Jewish. We plagiarize that from the Jews. If you want to see the way Jews worship God, Jew, the Jews chanted the Psalms. They didn't, they didn't read them like we read them. They chanted them in, in the synagogue and in the temple. And the yeah. Jew, the Jewish chant sounds like, again, it, it's that cadence. It's that cadence, the mm-hmm. way that you sing to God, a cappella without winged instruments. The, the Catholic Church, what we did is, is when we came, basically we were born from the Jewish seed. We became the, that trunk, that tree that was born from Old Testament, the seed, which is Judaism. Uh, and so the Catholic Church, when, when we took Latin as the official language of the church, back in about the 4th or 5th century, well, it was always the official language for the Roman Rite. But it, it, we, it became codified in, 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 in the liturgy back in the 4th and 5th century. Uh, you'll find that the, the council, the, the early church fathers, they'll say that the Gregorian chant we we copied the Jews on how to chant to God, how to sing to God, except the Jews use Hebrew and we use Latin. Gregorian, when a Jewish, like a Jewish scholar, an academic, they watch a Gregorian chant choir, they, they'll tell you, they go, oh, you guys took that from us. They know their history. Well, and so, yeah, yeah so the, the, here's the point that I'm making. If you would peek it, if you would peep into the window, and the Holy House of Nazareth to see uh, uh, St. Joseph, Our Lady, and, and the baby Jesus. That's the way they were praying to Yahweh. They would chant the Psalms. They weren't, they weren't doing what you would see at a Benny Hinn, Pentecostal, Protestant service, Yahoo, raising their hands, uh, you know, uh, 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 speaking in tongues, uh, you know, falling on the floor, with, you know, with these emotional fits. 
that's foreign. <laughs> that's yeah. foreign to Judaism and that's foreign to Catholicism because that's a, that's a man-made, that's an American brand of Protestantism that's foreign to the Old and New Testament. Yeah, it reminds me of Aaron's sons in the Old Testament when they burned strange fire and they were consumed. You know what I mean? Listen, God meticulously, Jess, he meticulously laid out exactly how he was to be worshipped and approached. Even when he appeared to them at the mount, he came down and Israel was to meet him. They had to bathe. They had to abstain from, from sexual relations. You know, the, why? Because God is holy. He's something beyond what we, you know, can really understand. And, uh, you know, but yet he has been revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, so, so we, I, I don't look at it in the sense that we copied the Jews that has been the practice that God has given yeah. uh, his people. And so what we did is it's just like the high priest. Jesus isn't a kind of high priest. He is the high priest. The Jews were uh, unknowingly uh, showing, um, you know, uh, what does it say? I think it's a, uh, the New Testament is hidden in the old and the old yes. is revealed in right. the new St. Augustine. Yeah. And so, so, so it's, I see it as one continuous and, and, and obviously now Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of it all. He is both priest, he is victim, he's king, he's prophet, he's all in all. He came to fulfill the law of Moses on our yeah. behalf. I agree. The only thing that I would say is that there's two, only two religions that have been established by God, only two. Old yep. Testament Judaism was given mm -hmm. to us by Yahweh mm -hmm. and New Testament Catholic Christianity was given to us by Jesus, the son of God. So there's yes. only two religions that come from heaven. Only two. All the right. other religions are man-made religions and fake religions. Mm -hmm. Only Old Testament Judaism was started by God, by Yahweh, but it gave way to New Testament Christianity started by the son of God. And so if you still if you stay stuck on Old Testament Judaism, as Dr. Scott Hahn says, something that was good, the good will become the enemy of the best because Old Testament Christianity has to mm, give way indeed. Uh, to, to New Testament Catholic Christianity. Why? Because Old Testament Judaism is just the anti-type. The Catholic faith is the type. That's why. Right, right. And that's why who were the first persecutors of the Christian church? The it Jews was were the Old Testament Jews. Yeah, yeah. That's so so they so they became so so the old became the enemy of the good, right? Yep. Um so so Jess, and this is the um uh, you know the idea of Judaism, it could never do what Christ has done for us. Amen. The law is a is a schoolmaster that that you know that that basically prepares us for Christ because the law condemns Jess. There is absolutely no way that you can obtain righteousness under the law. Okay, yeah. so Saint Jesus Paul, Christ Saint came. Saint Paul tells the Corinthians, "The law brings death; the Spirit brings life." Yeah, yeah. that's right. And yeah. so Christ came 
and he fulfilled that law and come you know so thank you jesus Amen. for all that you've done thank you and then he turns around and he says i give you a new law and it's the mandate and it's the law of love jess and that's why sacred scripture tells us that love covers a multitude of sins because when we're in christ who is love incarnate when we are incorporated in the mystical body of christ which is the church we are on solid ground amen yeah wow well you bet that that looks to me like uh we're winding down to the end here. That's, uh, yep. uh, you've been listening to Jesus 911. We're talking about the beauty of the Catholic faith. And uh, again, the, the the modernist monsters that we've been fighting for the last hundred years, they're not going away, Paul. They never go to sleep. Mm-hmm. No. So no. It's, in, it's, in, it's incumbent upon us as Catholics to know your Catholic faith because you cannot, you cannot live your faith if you do not know it. And you can't share your faith with others if you do not make that the faith your own. Also, we have to live our Catholic faith. Our Catholic faith is a public thing. It's not meant to be left behind when you leave your home. And also spread your Catholic faith. Jesus Christ wants to bring the whole world into captivity to the truth. And Jesus is the truth himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And don't be afraid. Remember, we serve a 12-star general, the Blessed Virgin Mm -hmm. Mary. and, uh, and, And the Blessed Virgin Mary, allow her in the daily rosary to envelop you in the mantle of her motherly love, unite your prayers every single day to the sword of St. Michael, and allow St. Joseph, terror of demons, to envelop you as you pray and call upon his intercession every day, that he envelops you with his cloak of fatherly protection. Paul? Yes, and do not let the wolves in sheep's clothing scandalize you. The Bible says, God causes all things to work together for good for those that love God, for those that are called according to his purpose. And so so, so even God can take bad prelates. And what does it do for you and I? It, it, it causes us to cling more tightly to Christ, to hide ourselves in the cleft of the cross. That is what it does for us who love Jesus. They don't scandalize us and say, well, you know, I think I'll not be Catholic anymore. I'll just maybe try something else. No. Where who have we in heaven? David said, Who have I in heaven but thee, O Lord? And on this earth I desire none but thee. Encounter Christ in the Mass. Love, uh, be filled with the love and be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And remember this, life is short. We're not going to be here that much longer. You know, your tombstone is going to have the year that you were born, the year that you died, and there's going to be a little dash in between. Make sure that that dash in between, you did all you could for Jesus Christ, out of love for Christ. You did all you could in that little dash called the span of your life. You did all you could to advance the kingdom of God. And know this, know this that Jesus Christ will be with you always until the end of time, Matthew 28, 19. Mm. That's a promise you can take to the bank. Brothers and sisters in Christ, well, that's a wrap. You've been listening to Jesus 911. I hope you're encouraged. I'm encouraged every single time I get on the, the radio with Paul. I walk away encouraged. I walk away with holy zeal. And I walk away knowing that, guess what? We know who wins at the end, okay? We win. Complete wipeout. Be part of Team Jesus. Live in a state of grace. Pray your rosary. Go to Mass as often as possible. See you next time. Same Christ time. Same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith.